0: Delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: Welcome to Episode 71 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. In this episode, Oscar continues his conversation with former UK linebacker Marty Moore. Previously, episode 70 took a look back at Marty's very beginnings in playing football. From Highland Heights, Kentucky, he was off to the University of Kentucky. And from the University of Kentucky, off to the NFL. This episode picks up at the end of Marty's career at Kentucky and the beginnings of what you could call a storybook career for this Wildcat. Marty will take us through his pre-draft workouts and even receiving some high praise from one SEC coaching legend. In addition to being selected last in the 7th round of the 1994 NFL Draft, he was given the title of Mr. Irrelevant. What all does the title of Mr. Irrelevant involve? It's not as bad as you think, just keep Marty away from Mickey Mouse. Mr. Irrelevant Marty Moore, well, he was the first player picked last in the NFL Draft to win a Super Bowl and not just one Super Bowl ring, but two during his time with the New England Patriots. Marty shares his thoughts about playing for Bill Parcells and what Kentucky fans could have expected with the potential arrival of Bill Parcells in Lexington. Finally, Marty relives his final days as an NFL player and walking out of the locker room for the final time. Offering an emotional testimony, Marty talks about how the game of football affected his life and how he learned what he meant to his father. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs and his guest, Marty Moore.
0: Marty, you're now getting ready to get paid to play the game and you're getting ready to go into the 1994 NFL draft. What What were your thoughts leading up to the draft? You know, I mean... Um so
2: in January, I had uh, gotten back to UK and I was in classes, and I got a I got a phone call from Bill Curry. Coach Curry says, "Hey Marty," said um, I got a phone call today and said, uh, "Would you be interested in going playing in the East-West Shrine Game?" And I said, uh, "I said, yeah, I'd be great." He said, "All right, well, go get your equipment from Tom. You're going to be on an airplane um, here in about five hours and flying out to." Uh, to San Francisco to play in this game. And so I said, okay. So I grab my stuff and get on a plane and get picked up at the airport and I go and have our first team meeting and there's Steve Spurrier. And uh, Steve Spurrier goes, man, he said, Marty, he said, I'm glad you're here. He said, I got tired of playing, tonight, playing you when I was at Florida. He said, and uh, we had a linebacker that that couldn't, uh, had a the situation, couldn't get here. He said, so I'm, I handpicked you to come out here and play in this game. And I thought that was a really big compliment. And um, so I'm out there that week, and I'm playing and practicing with all the NFL teams, and um, and uh, they're all kind of like, well, you know, we don't know if Marty's really big enough, and you know, we don't really know this and that. And one of the NFL coaches for the Detroit Lions comes up to me and he says, uh, he said, Marty said, uh, Steve Spurrier said, I need to come over here and you know, give you a look. And I said, uh, I said, oh, well, I said, Coach Spurrier, I really, you know, really like Coach Spurrier, good, good guy. And he said, well, he said, told me he made a tape of you that he showed his Florida players on how he wanted his defensive players to play the game. And I said, well, I said, Coach Spurrier hadn't told me that. And he said, well, you might want to talk to Coach Spurrier about that. So that night I went up to Coach Spurrier and I said, Coach, I said, the scout told me you had made a tape of me on how you wanted your Florida players to play defense. And he said, I sure did. He said, I took a highlight tape of you, Marty, and he said I wanted to show them the effort you gave every play, and that's how I wanted my defense to play. And um, and that was a real kind of emotional thing for me because here I've been trying to beat Florida, you know, and had a guy that – had that much respect for me, just the way I play the game. And so, you know, when I got to the combine, um, that, that deal got me invited to the combine. And um, so I'm at the combine. I'm with Winford Tubbs. And Winford Tubbs was a six-four, 255-pound middle linebacker from Texas. And he was getting calls right and left, you know, right and left. And I'm 34 out of 35 linebackers at the draft. So I get a couple of phone calls. Well, I get a call from the Patriots. I get a call from the Bengals. About three teams. And the next day, when we go out there for our workout, um, the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, and uh, you know a lot of the other coaches are in the end zone watching. And Tom Avidadi, who is a linebacker coach for the Dolphins, is standing there next to Al Groh. Who who who's the inside linebacker defense coordinator coach for the New England Patriots. And uh, he goes, Tom, he said, well, who are you looking at? And he said, well, Mike Archer told me I need to look at this kid from Kentucky named Marty Moore. He said he thinks he can play. And he said, so they start looking at me in same old scenario. Well, he's not very tall. He's not that fast. You know, we'll see how he does. So, you know, the draft comes around. And um all the teams that work me out had the same scenario, all right. You know, well Marty, you know, you're four eight, four seven, forty guy, you know, you're six foot one, you're two hundred and forty two pounds. We just don't know if you're gonna have the size play in the NFL. We don't know. So that's all I heard all leading up to the draft. Well then the draft comes and my mom's telling me, Hey, you need to get over here. You need to get home, you need to get home. You know, you've been uh You know, we'll have a draft party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom's basically like, you know, Hey, everyone's over here. And I'm like, mom, I'm not getting drafted in the first or second round. Calm down. You know, that's not happening. Just relax. So I got up there on the second day and, um, I was like, well, I'm not going to be probably taken in the first third or fourth, but you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round, probably going to get an opportunity. So I start cleaning her house, painting in her house, doing a bunch of work. Well, I start seeing some of these guys get drafted that I played in the East-West Shrine game with, and worked out with, and worked the combine with. So, toward the end of the draft, I start getting phone calls. Hey, we want you to be a free agent. Thinking about taking you in the next pick. Well, the New England Patriots call and they say, Marty, we're taking you with the next pick. So I get really excited. The New England Patriots flash up on the screen. Jay Barker, quarterback, Howard. And I, I mean, I grabbed my bag. I packed up all my stuff. I'm walking out to the car, and my mom's like, you know, are you okay? I'm like, I'm pissed off, Mom. I mean, what do you, how do you think I feel? You know, they, they tell me they're going to draft me, and five minutes later they draft a quarterback. So I'm throwing my stuff in my car. My my brother runs out. And he goes, Marty, the Patriots got one more pick. I'm running back in. Marty Moore, linebacker, New England, uh, Kentucky you know and i'm going
0: 222nd pick i was a 222 i was the very last guy drafted and, and back then it's just like you didn't have a set number it's just when the license announced that was the that license. was it that was it now they got a supplemental draft
2: now there's about 250 260 kids taken but i was 222
0: and um and, and, and we got we got to sort of break and go a different direction here for a few minutes because Number 222 being the last one drafted, you're mystery irreverent, yeah. And lo and behold, the guy that's wanting to see you the most at that moment is Mickey Mouse. That's it. That's Tell it. me the story.
2: Yeah, so uh, so Bill uh, Bill Parcells calls me and says, Hey, you know, I'm excited that we drafted you. You know, you're going to get a call from a guy named Paul Salata. And um, I'm like, Paul Salata's like, it's a relevant week, you know, just – be looking for his call. So Paul calls me and says, Hey Marty, congratulations. You're this year's Mr. Irrelevant. So we're gonna bring you out the Orange County, California. We're gonna have a week parade for you. It's gonna be a bunch of activities. Just look for this person's gonna be in gonna be in touch with you. So uh, I uh get there and um and they fly me out first class and you know, they fly me out with the very last guy who graduated from the Naval Academy. He's the anchor of he. They call him the anchor, right? So it's me, Mr. Relevant, and the anchor, and uh, we did all kinds of stuff. I was the uh, um, the guy in the in the Disneyland parade, uh, master of the parade. You know, uh, met Mickey Mouse. I actually ran in when we were getting ready to to uh, go in and meet Mickey Mouse. They're like, we want you to go tackle Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. You want me to tackle Mickey Mouse? I go. Well, when these doors bust open, you just go grab Mickey Mouse and you tackle him. Don't ta- don't bring him to the ground, but just lift a lift up Mickey Mouse. So I'm like, okay. so the doors open and i bust in there and i hit mickey mouse well mickey mouse is in this big costume right you don't know
0: how big
1: he is as
2: soon as i hit mickey mouse mickey mouse went flying right (laughs) and and find out mickey mouse was a she and she's you know sliding across the floor in a big helmet and costume and they had all on video and it was uh it was really it was really funny you know and uh we did all kinds of other, uh, other things out there. You know, we, uh, went to Hollywood studios and I met the, the actors in the breakfast club. And, uh, we went to, um, we had this, a uh, golf tournament and then, you know, um, we had the fastest beer chugger contest, which I've never tasted alcohol in my life. And so I'm out there, I'm like, why well, don't drink? I've never tasted this. And this guy can drink a beer in point zero one seconds. And uh, and I said I can't even sip a drink of water like that. They're like, well, just come, you know, just go with it, you know. And so they just had all kinds of activities out there for us. And then the very last thing was they got out there and they roasted you, right? So that I, I was, I got 20 boxes of just garbage, right? Lakers three peat hat where they didn't three peat. Uh, we're all, you know uh, signed pendants by all these NFL head coaches. Uh, Tell me about Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. So. So, Pokemon, I get, I mean, boxes of these Pokemon cards, right? And I'm like, what in the hell is Pokemon? I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, this is 1994. And uh, so, I literally had, I bet you, five boxes that were at least... And you have
0: no idea what you threw
2: away? Oh, my mom threw it all away. Oh, your mom. So, so you know, I get all this garbage, right? Not garbage, but it was all this stuff, and it gets shipped back. They just... I go straight from there to training camp. So they take all that stuff, ship it back to my mom. Well, my mom at that time, um, you know, it's all in her garage. So football season comes and I'm like, Hey mom, where's all my stuff? I didn't know what all that stuff was. I I, I put it to the curb. <laughs> I'm like, do you know how much money was in the Pokemon cards that just a loan that you just pitched <laughs> rather than some landfill right now? Uh, but yeah, she had, she had thrown. I had key to the city. I had, you know, um, signed, I had a signed jersey from Willie McGinnis from USC who was my teammate for eight seasons. And, and I'm like, you know how much Willie's jersey's probably worth, Mom? He's a Hall of Famer, you know, and, so it was uh, – it was just – it was great fun. And, you know, to be the the only Mr. Irrelevant to ever win a Super Bowl and to, and to be able to go back to New England and, you know, you mentioned my name and people are like, that's Marty Moore. He was the last guy picked. You know, to start as a rookie. I'm the only Mr. Irrelevant to start as a rookie, win a Super Bowl. And, uh, ha- you know, Ryan Suckup he finally beat me for the number of seasons, but he's a kicker. So I really don't count those guys. You know, they don't, don't they don't really count, but, uh, but yeah, so it it really kind of, to me, it's, it kind of signified, you know, my, you know, and not signified, but you know, it was kind of,
0: like, which, which something you'll know, always be remembered yeah, for? Always, I mean, always. You know,
2: I mean, I get calls every year of the draft.
0: Can you you can only imagine what number two twenty one would have liked to be, and he would have liked to be number two twenty
2: two. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm I got my front cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, I've got all kinds of articles. It's it definitely helped my career for sure.
0: For sure. Now you're in the NFL. You're playing for Bill Parcells. Yes. At the beginning, uh, I'm going to flip here a little bit. A few years ago his name was mentioned as a possible coach at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Would that have been a good hire in your opinion? That would have been a great hire. That would have been a great hire. Because Bill
2: Parcells would have brought so many good coaches to the University of Kentucky. And the way that he coached and the things he got out of his kids, it would have turned Kentucky around immediately. You know, And, that, and Oscar, you know as well as I do, that was going to happen. You know, we got a great coach instead. I think Rich Brooks did a g- tremendous job at Kentucky. But just the people Bill Parcells would have brought with him. Just, I think about the coaches that were on his staff when I was there as a rookie, right? You had um, – let's just talk about my Super Bowl team in 1996, all right? Romeo Cornell. He's an assistant head coach, been a head coach in the NFL, you know, still, still coaching the NFL. Dante Skarnacki, assistant head coach of the New England Patriots. Al Groh, head coach of Virginia, defensive coordinator for years, head coach of the New York Jets. Bill Belichick, that name says it right there. Um, You had uh, Charlie Weiss, who was head coach of Notre Dame. Um, You had uh, Maurice Carthon, Super Bowl champ, running back coach in the NFL. You had um, the tight end coach, still coaching the NFL. Ray Perkins, head coach in the NFL, head coach in the University of Universal Alabama. Uh, Chris Palmer, head coach in the NFL, offense coordinator in the NFL for a long time. I mean, just those guys alone that were on his staff and the, 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 the guys that he would have brought. He might not have brought all those guys, but he brings one or two and then the other guys that he knows in the business that would have come to Kentucky that would have been able to go out and recruit. You bring a guy in and sit Bill Parcells down in front of him, that kid's coming to Kentucky. You know, and I think just be the way Bill dealt with people and he dealt with um players, it would have been an immediate turnaround. It would have been immediate. I mean, we you know, I tell people all the time, football's not a complicated game. Coaches make it complicated. Coaches try to outthink everybody. Teaching the kids the right technique and the right way to do it and just getting really good at it. That's what you do in the game of football. Just like baseball, if you don't go out and hit a baseball, or just like basketball, if you don't go out and shoot a basketball and do it consistent, the same thing every time, you're not any good at it. So that's where Belichick's and the Parcells is they're really good at finding the right player and putting them in the right spot and playing their defense or their offense Look at Tom Brady. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL to ever play without Bill Belichick, in my opinion. Because the system Bill Belichick put him in is the system for Tom Brady. You take Tom Brady and you put him in another system, he might not be as as, as successful. But in that system, that guy's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game.
0: There are a lot of people who would have never dream you would have the career that you had in the NFL with the Patriots. And then when you finished up, uh, it – Things just seemed to start happening good to you from being that last pick in the draft to your career.
2: You know, I think uh, I think what was good to me was I was student, I was a student of the game and I gave great effort. And I had um coaches who really appreciated that. You know, I was a locker room guy, I was a team captain. Um, you know, I was the I was a guy voted on by my teammates to uh, be a captain and to be the the player representative to the NFL. That's a voted on position. You had, you know, fifty three guys in the locker room that said, you know what, of all the guys in this locker room, we want Marty Moore to be our team captain. One of our captains. We want Marty Moore to represent us to the NFL. League office. And so, you know, I, I got with I was in the right system. You know, I was a I was I'm on beat your brains out middle linebacker Um, and uh, wasn't, you know, one of these guys who was going to be all athletic and flashy. I was just going to go up there and I was going to hit you in the mouth over and over and over and over. And And, um, and I was going to play great on special teams, but I was smart enough to be able to play all the positions. So when you get in the NFL, if you can't play them all, then you become a risk because injuries, you only have six guys. You only have six linebackers, maybe seven. And so you've got to play multiple spots. So if you're not smart enough, they got, they'll they find somebody else. So, you know, I think that really helped me and extended my career. You know, I mean, I was a career backup, but, you know, I'd play four or five games a year when guys would get hurt. Um, I remember when I went to Cleveland for a year, Romeo Cornell brought me to Cleveland, and I'd get over there. I'm supposed to be the backup middle linebacker, special teams captain, right? So I get over there, and the two middle the, – the weak side linebacker gets hurt. <laughs> and the backup was awful. And Romeo looks at me because I'm going to move you to weak side linebacker. And I said, Romeo, I said, I'm not fast enough. I said, you know, you need a guy who's running four, five, four, six over there. I'm not that guy. And Romeo goes, you're going to be that guy. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I said, okay. I went out and led that team in tackles, Oscar. You know, I went out and I started nine games. And, you know, if you if you wipe out the first seven, I was th- I was three behind leading the team in tackles with the guy who started 16 games. I had the best year of my career with the Cleveland Browns. Because, you know, when I was at the Patriots, I was playing behind Willie McGinnis, Chris Slade, Teddy Bruschi, Ted Johnson, Vincent Brown, Mike Vrabel, Larry. There he is. I mean, they – all the guys I played with, at one point in their career, they were all pro. I got nominated, but the problem with me was Larry Wiggins was the Pro Bowl guy. So they take one Pro Bowl guy in the AFC, and I'm not saying I would have been a Pro Bowl special teams guy, but I was playing with the best mm-hmm. special teams player in the AFC. He got it every year, and then the next guy they we signed was Larry Izzo, who got <laughs> it on the you know. So I just laugh about it, but you know, I, I played with some great coaches, some great players. You know, and um, it, it was it was a great career, but I just hung in there. I just I never lifted my nose off that off that turf. And you know, when it came off season, I was there working out. I was hustling. I was you know ten minutes early to every meeting. I was doing all the things that I needed to do to make sure that they weren't going to kick me off that team. And my Achilles tendon, I can't do anything about that. <laughs>
0: you know, when you finally round up your NFL career, knowing that this was truly the last time you would take a jersey off. Uh, what it mean to you to have the career you had from Fort Thomas Highlands to Kentucky to the NFL with the Patriots and the Browns? You know, um,
2: reflection. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where as a player, you don't know when it's gonna come. And when it does, you know, I uh, I went in that uh, that training camp, and I was trying to rehab from my Achilles uh, rupture, and so I would spent the off season just working um, four or five hours a day, running, lifting, rehabbing, just trying to get back. And then I went in that training camp, and um, you know, Bill Belichick called me in his office at six a.m. and uh, and he said, Marty, he said, look, he said. You know, he said, "You know, you just can't do it." He said, "You know, you're. If you look at film from last year, look at this year. Just look how you're doing." And I said, "Coach," I said, "I know." I said, "I know I can't." And um, he said, "Well, I'm going to give you three options." He said, uh, "You can retire. You can wait a week, and then I'm going to cut you. So I can cut you now, and you can see if you can get on their team." And I said, uh, "I said, okay. I said, you know, why don't you just go ahead and cut me now?" And I said, you know, and I'll figure out things from there, see what happens. He said, okay. So I uh, I walked out of his office, and I gave him my playbook. And um, as soon as I walk out, there's a security guard. And um I go down to my locker, put all my stuff in my locker in a hefty trash bag. And he walks out, and I said, um, can I say goodbye to some of my teammates? He said, Marty said, you can't. He said, it's an NFL policy. He said, I have to take you to the parking lot and you have to leave the premises. So got in my car and um, I drove out of uh, Bryant College and I stopped at this gas station to, f- to fuel up and uh, got back in my car and I pulled pulled over in the gas station parking lot and I said, that's it that is the last time I'll play a game of football and uh, I drove home and uh, 12 hours home I reflected about my career about my my dad my mom my parents and uh all the coaches that coached me and um thought how the game had done so much for me and uh and i just i said you know that's those feelings those um, you know the emotions, the the brotherhood you have all the things that kind of made you who you were um you're not going to go back and have that same feeling of opportunity you know and um you know i started thinking about letters that um when we went to super bowl 96 my dad died in my arms when i was 16 years old uh, of a heart attack and i watched him take his last breath in my arms and a guy had written a, a letter and said uh Bill he said Marty he said your dad Bill He told me that there was a, there was a great one coming and, and that was me he said there's a great one coming and he said you've lived up to everything your dad would have wanted you to and so uh it was uh it was those things i thought about you know things that uh i had done my teammates my coaches you know um and it uh it hit me you know and uh i spent four months kind of trying to figure out what was next in my life but uh i think that it was uh it was a reflection of of what I had always wanted to accomplish in my life, you know? And I was 32 years old, and I thought, man, you know, all the goals I set, I accomplished them. I mean, I won a Super Bowl. I went to a Super Bowl, made it to the NFL, and not just a cup of coffee in the NFL, you know? Um, I had had, you know, two children at the time, and so it was... Uh, it was one of those things where I knew I was never gonna put it on again.
1: All right, thanks to Marty Moore for taking the time out to join us on Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Raffertys and Double Dogs. You just finished listening to episode seventy-one, the second part of the series with Marty. Episode 70 features the first installment of this series with Marty Moore and episode 72 will be the conclusion of the series and episode 72 we'll hear about Marty's former teammates and coaches during his football career. All episodes of Conversations can be easily accessed for free at OscarCombs.com and Conversations is available for download to your mobile devices. Just search for at Wildcat News and iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. And you can listen to Oscar's conversations with the greats of the University of Kentucky and some friends of his for absolutely free. To keep up with Oscar and the Cats, on Twitter, follow Oscar at Wildcat News. For Marty Moore and Oscar, I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, Go Big Blue.